Hello, my podcast listeners. Thank you for joining me today. You're listening to the In Search of God's Instructions podcast. I'm your host, Shirley Vinson, and every week I invite you to join me for support and encouragement on your journey to a deeper understanding of the spiritual way that God wants His children to live. We are all in the spiritual walk of life together, but no matter the storms you face, If you search for his instructions, he will bring you through. Let us begin with the prayer. Thank you, Abba Yah, our Father, our God, our Creator, for being with us another day as we study your word and approach you and ask you, to grant us understanding, wisdom, insight, and knowledge pertaining to the words that you have given us in this Bible and also to the times that we are living in so that we may be able to take these words and understand what they mean and how they apply in our lives today. We ask that you forgive us of our sins and grant our humble pleas to you regarding understanding of your instructions. These things we ask for in the name of Yeshua, our Lord and our Savior. If you have questions regarding the content of anything that I say in any of my podcasts, you can email me at hello at insearchofgodsinstructions.org and I will try to answer the questions that you have and get back to you as quickly as I can. This podcast does not condone anti-Semitism, racism, anti-Catholicism, or any religious belief a person chooses to practice for their life. Although we are looking at the book of Ezekiel today, I'm also going to touch on a few other chapters in our Bible that are relevant to spiritual warfare and the times that we are going through right now in our country and for many others in the world, particularly for the tribes of Israel who are spread throughout the north, the east, the south, and the west in different countries all over the world as we wait for the returning of our Messiah. Today we will begin our study with the book of Ezekiel, chapter 37. The hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley, and it was full of bones. Then he caused me to pass by them all around, and behold, there were very many in the open valley, and indeed they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? So I answered, O Lord God, you know. Again he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Surely I will cause breath to enter into you, and you shall live. I will put sinews on you and bring flesh upon you, cover you with skin and put breath in you, and you shall live. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise 
and suddenly a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to bone. Indeed, as I looked, the sinews and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them over, but there was no breath in them. Also he said to me, Prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded, and breath came into them, and they lived and stood upon their feet, an exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They indeed say, Our bones are dry, our hope is lost, and we ourselves are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up from your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. Then you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves, O my people, and brought you up from your graves. I will put my spirit in you, and you shall live, and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken it, and performed it, says the Lord. Again the word of the Lord came to me, saying, as for you, son of man, take a stick for yourself and write on it, for Judah and for the children of Israel, his companions. Then take another stick and write on it, for Joseph, the stick of Ephraim, and for all the house of Israel, his companions. Then join them one to another, for yourself into one stick, and they will become one in your hand. And when the children of your people speak to you, saying, Will you not show us what you mean by these? Say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Surely I will take the stick of Joseph, which is in the hand of Ephraim, and the tribes of Israel, his companions, and I will join them with it, with the stick of Judah, and make them one stick, and they will be one in my hand. And the sticks on which you write will be in your hand before their eyes. Then say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Surely I will take the children of Israel from among the nations wherever they have gone, and will gather them from every side and bring them into their own land. And I will make them one nation in the land on the mountains of Israel, and one king shall be over them all. They shall no longer be two nations, nor shall they ever be divided into two kingdoms again. They shall not defile themselves any more with their idols, nor with their detestable things, nor with any of their transgressions, but I will deliver them from all their dwelling places. They shall not defile themselves any more with their idols, nor with their detestable things, nor with any of their transgressions, but I will deliver them from all their dwelling places in which they have sinned, and will cleanse them. Then they shall be my people, and I will be their God. David, my servant, shall be king over them, and they shall all have one shepherd. They shall also walk in my judgments and observe my statutes and do them. Then they shall dwell in the land that I have given to Jacob, my servant, where your fathers dwelt, and they shall dwell there, they, their children, and their children's children forever, 
and my servant David shall be their prince forever. Moreover, I will make a covenant of peace with them, and it shall be an everlasting covenant with them. I will establish them and multiply them, and I will set my sanctuary in their midst forever. My tabernacle also shall be with them. Indeed, I will be their God, and they shall be my people. The nations also will know that I, the Lord, sanctify Israel, when my sanctuary is in their midst forevermore. So the dry bones that Yah told Ezekiel to prophesy to and bring the bones to life. That must have been a great sight to see, as well as a terrifying sight to see. A valley full of dry bones. Flesh used to be on those bones. And now all the bones are laying on the ground in a deep valley. And Ezekiel says here that Yah had him to walk around this valley so that he could see as he went around the perimeter of the valley all the bones that were laying there and he saw that it was a lot of bone and when God asked him if these bones could live he says oh Lord God you know God told him to prophesy to the bones and God told him the words to say and as Ezekiel spoke the words that Yah told him to say then the bones started putting themselves together and then flesh, muscles began to attach themselves to the bones. Blood vessels began to attach themselves to the muscles. Skin began to cover the blood vessels. Hair began to grow on the flesh and on the hairs of the head. Eye sockets return. Everything of a human being that is created from the time that it is born until the time that it dies appeared on these bones, but there was no breath in them. And then Yah tells him to prophesy to the breath and say to the breath, Come from the four corners, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. And so he did. And breath came into the nostrils of these bones. And he said it was a great army a living army. And God explained to him that this was the whole house of Israel. So we see here that God also tells him that this house of Israel, their bones were in graves wherever they're scattered throughout the world. So I'm taking, for instance, abandoned graveyards and some places where there aren't even grave markers, where our ancestors are buried by the dozens, sometimes by the hundreds, because they are considered less than human beings to their slave owners. And they just threw dirt over them as if they were animals, dug a hole, threw dirt over them as if they were animals being buried in a hole in the ground with no markers or anything. But yet, Yah knows who they are and he remembers where they're buried throughout the different nations of the whole earth where he has led us into captivity and this valley of dry bones represents every single one that is buried somewhere on the face 
of the earth. And Yah says that he's going to bring them up and he's going to plant them and bring them from their graves into the land of Israel. Now, a lot of people today may find this almost impossible to believe. But is there anything impossible with Yah? Is there any person that you know can speak and have flesh come upon dry bones? Not just flesh come upon these dry bones, but have these bones connect themselves to one another? How do these bones know that I am the hand that belongs to the arm of this person whose leg is over there? It is amazing. It is amazing. But that is how our God is. He is the almighty creator. And then he says, he will put his spirit into us and we will live. And he will place us in our own land. So this is one of the reasons why we as the descendants of the house of Israel, particularly here in this country, and I am thinking around the world, wherever Yah has scattered us, we don't worry so much about whether or not we are going to be able to get the land that was once ours that has now been stolen from us. We don't worry so much about whether or not we're going to get it back because it belongs to Yah and he can place in it whoever he wants to, whenever he wants to. So we don't worry about, oh, we're running over to this place in the part of the world today that is called Israel and we're going to claim our land back. We don't have to do that because Yah says that he will be the one to fight that battle. He will be the one to plant us where we belong because he is the owner of it and he can put in it whomever he chooses to. And in this case, he says that he will return us there. He tells Ezekiel to take a stick and write on the name of it, Judah, and for the children of Israel. And then he says, take another stick and write on it for Joseph, the stick of Ephraim, and all the house of Israel, his companions. So he says, take a stick for yourself and write on it for Judah and for the children of Israel, his companions. Then take another stick and write on it for Joseph, the stick of Ephraim, and for all the house of Israel, his companions. So God refers to both Judah and Joseph as being the house of Israel. And of course, when you go back and you read the book of Chronicles and the Kings, you see how they became a divided Israel in the first place. That's in one of my earlier previous podcasts. But the whole point is the northern kingdom consisted of 10 tribes of Israel. And in those tribes, we find Joseph, sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, and we find the sons of all the other tribes. And keep in mind, when it came to the northern tribe, each tribe had a place that they were to set apart for the Levites. So the Levites were among the tribes, both in the northern kingdom and in the southern kingdom. And Judah and Benjamin were in the southern kingdom. So when we trace back information, since God revealed to me my identity of Judah, and I've been going out and doing research and 
following other researchers because God is waking all of us up to our true identity and the tribes that we are from when it comes to uh, who we are as a people. And when it comes to Judah, a lot of our descendants came here on slave ships. Judah and Benjamin and some of Levi also came. So when we think about that, what we see here is that God says wherever he has scattered us, he is going to bring us back and he's going to unite us as one. Now, we think about Ephraim and Manasseh because Ephraim and Manasseh were born of Joseph while he was second in command to Pharaoh in Egypt. We can't help but wonder how is it that we became so disobedient towards Abiyah that first he drove out the northern kingdom about 700 years before he drove out the southern kingdom. The northern kingdom went into captivity under the Assyrians and then Judah and Benjamin after the Messiah was staked down was driven into captivity a second time because their first captivity is with King Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon. This was the first captivity. And then they were allowed to come back. And you can read about all of that in the book of Daniel. And for the short time that they came back, when they came back, this is during the time period that Yeshua came into the world. This is when you hear, when you read about the apostles and the Messiah in what is in the Gospels, the books of the Gospels, and the writings from there. When they staked him down, about 70 years after his crucifixion, they were driven into captivity the second time, the Atlantic slave trade and the 400 years of captivity. So now we have y'all saying that time has come to an end and now I am going to do my part of what I promised that I was going to do. And that is he's going to deal with the nations that have held us in captivity for all these 400 years. He's going to bring us out of captivity and return us into the land that he promised to our father, Abraham. These are the things that are taking place today. Let us move on to chapter 38. Now the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, set your face against Gog of the land of Magog, the prince of Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal, and prophesy against him. And say, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against you, O Gog, the prince of Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal. I will turn you around and put hooks in your jaws, and lead you out with all your army, horses, and horsemen, all splendidly clothed, a great company with bucklers and shields, all of them handling swords, Persia, Ethiopia, Libya with them, all of them with shield and helmet, Gomer and all his troops, the house of Tagamah from the far north and all its troops, many people are with you. Prepare yourself and be ready, you and all your companions that are gathered about you and be a guard for them. After many days, you will be visited. In the latter days, you will come into the land of those brought back from the sword and gathered from many people 
on the mountains of Israel, which had long been desolate. They were brought out of the nations, and now all of them dwell safely. You will ascend, coming like a storm, covering the land like a cloud, you and all your troops and many peoples with you. Thus says the Lord God, On that day it shall come to pass that thoughts will arise in your mind, and you will make an evil plan. You will say, I will go up against a land of unwalled villages. I will go to a peaceful people who dwell safely, all of them dwelling without walls and having neither bars nor gates, to take plunder and to take booty, to stretch out your hand against the waste places that are again inhabited and against the people gathered from the nations who have acquired livestock and good who dwell in the midst of the land. Sheba and Dedan, the merchants of Tarshish, and all their young lions will say to you, Have you come to take plunder? Have you gathered your army to take booty, to carry away silver and gold, to take away livestock and goods, to take great plunder? Therefore, son of man, prophesy and say to Gog, Thus says the Lord God, On that day, when my people Israel dwell safely, will you not know it? Then you will come from your place out of the far north, you and many peoples with you, all of them riding on horses, a great company, and a mighty army. You will come up against my people Israel like a cloud. It will be in the latter days that I will bring you against my land, so that the nations may know me when I am hallowed in you, O Gog, before their eyes. Thus says the Lord God, Are you he of whom I have spoken in the former days by my servants, the prophets of Israel, who prophesied for years in those days that I would bring you against them? And it will come to pass at the same time when God comes against the land of Israel, says the Lord God, that my fury will show in my face. For in my jealousy and in the fire of my wrath I have spoken. Surely in that day there will be a great earthquake in the land of Israel, so that the fish of the sea, the birds of the heaven, the beasts of the field, all creeping things that creep on the earth, and all men who are on the face of the earth shall shake at my presence. The mountains shall be thrown down, the steep places shall fall, and every wall shall fall to the ground. I will call for a sword against Gog throughout all my mountains, says the Lord God. Every man's sword will be against his brother, and I will bring him to judgment. With pestilence and bloodshed, I will rain down on him, on his troops, and on the many peoples who are with him, flooding rain, great hailstorms, fire and brimstone. Thus I will magnify myself and sanctify myself, and I will be known in the eyes of many nations. Then they shall know that I am the Lord. This is speaking of a future time to come. If you read in the book of Revelation, this is going to be the time that is referred to as the battle of Armageddon. Because we see here that this great army who is being led by 
Gog. And I think Gog is like one of the sons of Japheth, if I can recall. I'll go back and double check on that. But I'm almost certain Gog is one of the sons of one of the sons or grandsons of Japheth. He falls in that line. And when we see that he is going to gather other nations and they're going to conspire together to come against God's people who he has now brought out of captivity in the last days, in these times we're in now, because this is the time sequence of things that's happening now. We're at the end of 6,000 years. Daniel tells us at the end of the time period of the rule of the Iron Kingdom, the Iron Kingdom, which is Rome, is going to split itself off into different nations. They're going to fall apart and they're going to mix themselves with weaker nations who is consistent of the potter's clay because they're clay. They're weak, but their faith and their trust and their belief is in the God that they serve. And they don't have a lot of abundance and they struggle with other nations that are stronger than them because these other nations around them has all the wealth and the power. They basically control the world because remember after Alexander, and this is in my other podcast, after Alexander came the Roman kingdom that grew up. And you see this in the statue that uh, Nebuchadnezzar calls Daniel in to interpret his dream for him about this big statue. So in the statue, you see where the feet and the toes are partly iron and partly clay. That partly iron says is Roman nations who have within their borders or Roman countries, you should say, who have within their borders weak people such as us, God's people who have no strength because we have no economic wealth. The lands that we are in does not belong to us. Even the land that was ours before God drove us into captivity Since we went into captivity, these nations, these Iron Kingdom nations gathered together and they conspired to even take the land of Israel. Not only did they conspire to take the land of Israel, they also conspired to destroy God's people. It's an ancient secret and they've held on to it generation upon generation upon generation while God's people was being held in captivity. For 400 years. And all of this is also documented in history. It's documented in the written word. It's also documented in history. And all you really have to do is go back and start following the breadcrumb trails that God gives us in our history documentation and take it and compare it to what's written in the words that he has given us in the Bible. And if you really want to know the truth, you pray and you ask God to reveal it to you and he will if you want to know the truth. But if you don't have a desire to know, don't waste your time asking because he will not give you what you truly, really don't want to know. So in this case, we see here that they conspired. And this is also written in the Psalms. And you see it also written in here. It's written in all of the the minor prophets. It's written in Deuteronomy. And it's written here even in Ezekiel where he says, hey, you have been treating my people. You have been abusing them. You have been killing them. You have been all 
doing all sorts of things to them during their time in captivity. And now I'm going to turn it around. I'm going to turn it back on you. This turning will take place when the Messiah comes. So we're in the very last years before the Messiah returns. And that's the reason why when you listen to the news, you hear things like, oh, the coronavirus is our opportunity to be able to accomplish our agenda. And for the people who are not studying the word of God, to them, that agenda is a one world order. Well, partly it is true. They want to reunite themselves again like they used to be a united Roman kingdom at one time before they split off. They want that power back again to control the world. But right now, they're controlling it by race and they're controlling it by the economic or the financial treasures they have built for themselves off the back of slaves. And that slave class is about to go away. They no longer will be able to make the wealth that they used to make because they will no longer have a slave class to produce that wealth freely for them. And because of that, they're saying if we can get rid of God's people, then we can move on with a different kind of slave class. Because as long as God's people does not exist, then God will not come back to destroy the earth and have his son to rule over the world. Because see, God says here, my servant, he says, then they shall dwell, and I'm reading verse 25 of chapter 37, then they shall dwell in the land that I have given to Jacob, my servant, where your fathers dwelt, and they shall dwell there, they, their children, and their children's children forever, and my servant David shall be their prince forever. Well, we know he's talking about a lineage of David, and that lineage that is going to dwell over them and be their prince forever is Yeshua, the Messiah. And you see that lineage when you read the book of Matthew, the first chapter in Matthew. It traces you all the way back to the lineage of Yeshua's birth. It brings you all the way back to King David. Yeshua came through the line of King David. And because of that line of King David, he becomes the prince of the world because he, being the son of God, born of a mortal woman, where a lot of people say, well, it's impossible for a human being to give birth to a son of God. She had to have given birth to some man that she had relations with here on the earth because a woman can't have, she cannot become impregnated from the spirit of God, I guess is the easiest way to say it. However, did God not create the woman? How is it that you, a person can believe that God can do some things, but he can't do others? Is God not able to call up from the dead and bring to life? like he just did with the dry bones in Ezekiel? Is he not able to take a seed and plant it into the womb of a fleshly woman 
to have her miraculously bring forth a child that a mortal man here on earth did not put there? Of course, God can do anything he want to. And keep in mind, when the flesh dies, it decays. If Yeshua is not the Son of God, he would have decayed. His body would have decayed when he was placed in the tomb. He would not have risen from that tomb. But when you see what is written in these Gospels, he rose and it changed our world forever. And because of that, God says he is going to give this world into his hands. And that is why you see in the book of Daniel, in these last days, we're just, I would say, we're not even days. We're in the last day of the Messiah returning. We're in the very tip end of it before going into the 7,000th year. We're at the end of the 6,000th year. You see that God has said the time was going to come when he was going to carve out a rock and smite the statue of Daniel with this rock. The whole statue would fall down because God has struck it on the feet. So it has no feet. It has no more power to stand. And he is going to set up an everlasting kingdom. And that everlasting kingdom will rule the earth with the rod of iron for 1,000 years. That is the millennial reign. So the Yeshua is coming back to the earth and he will rule here on earth for 1,000 years. At the end of this 1,000 years, a war is going to take place. And this is the war that is being discussed here in chapter 38 of Ezekiel. Because he said, you will say in verse 11 of chapter 38, you will say, I will go up against a land of unwalled villages and I will go to a peaceful people who dwell safely, all of them dwelling without walls and having neither bars nor gates to take plunder and to take booty, to stretch out your hand against the waste places that are again inhabited, again inhabited, and against a people gathered, a people gathered from the nations who have now acquired livestock and goods and dwell in the midst of the land. So God said when he was going to gather us from the nations, bring us back to Israel, we would rebuild cities, we would live there in peace with our own livestock and our children would be in peace. All of this is going to happen. But at the end, as we get closer to the end of that 1,000 years, which is 7,000 year period, when we get closer to the end of it, then Gog is going to go out to other nations on the earth and say, hey, we did it once before. We held them in captivity once before. And now they are the head and we are the tail. We want our power back. It used to be that we used to control the world. All we have to do is go fight against them and take the land back and destroy them. Like we once held them in captivity before, those who we don't destroy, we will take them back into captivity again. And God is going to let them go through with their plan. And that is when it says, it will come to pass. I'm reading in chapter 15. He says, then you will come from your place out of the far north, you and many peoples with you. 
all of them riding on horses, a great company, and a mighty army. You will come up against my people Israel like a cloud. It's going to be a lot of them, huge. And it will be in the latter days that I will bring you against my land, against my land, so that the nations may know me when I am hallowed in you, O Gog, before their eyes. When God comes up against the land of Israel, says the Lord God, that my fury will show in my face. That means God is going to be awfully very, very, very angry with Gog and these people, these other nations that he has convinced to follow him, to fight against the tribes of Israel. And this is going to be the final great day of battle where God will step down from his throne and he will deal with them. That's why he tells you, the earth is going to quake, the fish, the heavens, and all of these things, they're going to fall down, and God himself is going to deal with them and destroy them. And that way, everybody who is left on the earth who fight God will be destroyed with these people who's going to make one final effort to come against the tribes of Israel in the land of Israel. One thousand years during the time of the millennial reign at the end of that period. Chapter 39. And you, son of man, prophesy against Gog and say, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against you, O Gog, the prince of Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal, and I will turn you around and lead you on, bringing you up from the far north, and bring you against the mountains of Israel, just as you have planned in your mind. I'm going to lead you there. Because I'm going to show you who is God. I am going to show you who I am. That's what God is saying. Then I will knock the bow out of your left hand and cause the arrows to fall out of your right hand. You shall fall upon the mountains of Israel, you and all your troops and the peoples who are with you. I will give you to birds of prey of every sort and to the beasts of the field to be devoured. You shall fall on the open field, for I have spoken, says the Lord God, and I will send fire on Magog and among those who live in security in the coastlands. Then they shall know that I am the Lord. So I will make my holy name known in the midst of my people Israel, and I will not let them profane my holy name any more. Then the nation shall know that I am the Lord the Holy One of Israel. Surely it is coming, and it shall be done, says the Lord God. This is the day of which I have spoken. Then those who dwell in the cities of Israel will go out and set on fire and burn the weapons, both the shields and the bucklers, the bows and the arrows, the javelins and spears, and they shall make fires with them for seven years." They will not take wood from field nor cut down any from the forest because they will make fires with the weapons and they will plunder those who plundered them and pillage those who pillaged them, says the Lord God. It will come to pass in that day that I will give Gog a burial place there in Israel, the valley of those who pass by the east of the sea and it will obstruct travelers because there they will bury Gog and all his multitude. Therefore, 
they will call it the Valley of Hamangog. For seven months, the house of Israel will be burying them in order to cleanse the land. Indeed, all the people of the land will be burying, and they will gain renown for it on the day that I am glorified, says the Lord God. They will set apart men regularly employed with the help of a search party to pass through the land and bury those bodies remaining on the ground in order to cleanse it. At the end of seven months, they will make a search. The search party will pass through the land, and when anyone sees a man's bones, he shall set up a marker by it till the barriers have buried it in the valley of Hamangog. The name of the city will also be called Hamanah. Thus they shall cleanse the land. And as for you, son of man, thus says the Lord God, speak to every sort of bird and to every beast of the field. Assemble yourselves and come. Gather together from all sides to my sacrificial meal, which I am sacrificing for you, a great sacrificial meal on the mountain of Israel, that you may eat flesh and drink blood. You shall eat the flesh of the mighty, drink the blood of the princes of the earth, of rams and lambs, of goats and bulls, all of them fatlings of Bashan. You shall eat fat till you are full, and drink blood till you are drunk. At my sacrificial meal, which I am sacrificing for you, you shall be filled at my table with horses and riders, with mighty men, and with all men of war, says the Lord God. I will set my glory among the nations. All the nations shall see my judgment, which I have executed, and my hand, which I have laid on them. So all the house of Israel shall know that I am the Lord their God from that day forward. The Gentiles shall know that the house of Israel went into captivity for their iniquity because they were unfaithful to me. Therefore I hid my face from them. I gave them into the hand of their enemies and they all fell by the sword. According to their uncleanliness and according to their transgressions, I have dealt with them and hidden my face from them. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, now I will bring back the captives of Jacob and have mercy on the whole house of Israel, and I will be jealous for my holy name. After they have borne their shame and all their unfaithfulness in which they were unfaithful to me, when they dwelt safely in their own land and no one made them afraid, when I bring them back from the peoples and gather them out of their enemies' lands. And I am hallowed in them and in the sight of many nations. Then they shall know that I am the Lord their God, who sent them into captivity among the nations, but also brought them back to their land and left none of them captive any longer. And I will not hide my face from them any more, for I shall have poured out my spirit on the house of Israel, says the Lord God. Yes, thank thank you, Abba Yah. He explains it so perfectly well here, that the Gentile nations will know the reason the descendants of African Americans in this country have been in the condition that we have been in for 400 years is because the curses of Deuteronomy, Yah turned his face against us because our ancestors rebelled against him and did not keep their 
promise of the covenant that they made with him. They did not keep their covenant with him. And for 400 years, he turned against us. And although he turned his face against us, he even said here in one of the earlier chapters in Ezekiel that though he had turned his face against us, he would still be a little sanctuary to us in the nations where he scattered us. And this is why many of us have held on to hope in times of despair, tears, disbelief with the things that were going on in the world around us. And no matter how long and how hard we seem to try and prosper, anybody in this country, and not just this country, but in the nations where we're scattered all over the world, anybody who's not of the tribes of Israel were made the head over us. And now that time period has come that Yah says he is going to turn it all around. And at the end of these next 1,000 years, where the Messiah will reign with a rod of iron in righteousness, other people in the nations will become angry because now they will become the tail and we will become the head. And they're going to get angry about this. And they're going to rise up against Israel once more, one final time, because God has set it in their hearts to do so, so that he can prove to them who he is. And most of all, so that Israel will remember to never, ever leave covenant with him again. And that's how it is. And you know, that's how it is for the world. I have to say, these days that we are living in, when it comes to what is going on right now in the USA and what is happening with the election, whether or not President Trump will serve another term or whether or not he will be displaced and Joe Biden officially becomes the president. The things we should remember as God's people are these. Number one, whether you are born of the tribes of Israel or not, if you have accepted Yeshua as your Messiah and you want to be a part of the eternal kingdom of God, there are certain requirements that he has of us when it comes to spiritual warfare. For the short summation of it, as I said once before, for those of us who are worshiping Yah according to his instructions, we should keep in mind that he has only given one set of instructions to the entire world of how to become a part of his kingdom. Part of that puts us in places that we find ourselves engaging in spiritual warfare, whether we like it or not. As a result of this, we must learn how to recognize spiritual warfare and fight spiritual warfare. One of the ways we recognize it is to study and find out through the scriptures that God has given us how to recognize when we are under a spiritual attack by the forces of this world because we fight against spiritual wickedness in the world. It's not a literal fight that we are going through as much as a spiritual fight. We're going through both. We're going through a literal fight as well as a spiritual fight. However, it is the words of God that will help us to win 
the spiritual battle. And by winning the spiritual battle, we in essence also win the physical battle. We leave the physical things that we are unable to do in the hands of our Father. But the spiritual things that we are able to do, we are to implement them in our lives. We are always to stand for the good and not for the evil. When we think about whether or not we should actively be involved in the political battle that is going on now in our country. I have my personal opinions about the political battles that are taking place. And that is that the government of this country is trying to be destroyed by forces within our political system, as well as forces in other countries that does not live by our political system. So that by itself indicates a spiritual warfare that is going on within the borders of our country. What does the word of God say regarding whether or not we as his people should be actively involved in the spiritual warfare? Because there are many people who believe that we're not to get involved at all. The word of God does not tell us that. It's quite contrary to that. So I'm going to take you over to the book of Daniel, verse 31 of chapter 11. And forces shall be mustered by him, and they shall defile the sanctuary. Then they shall take away the daily sacrifices and place there the abomination of desolation. Those who do wickedly against the covenant, he shall corrupt with flattery. But the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. And those of the people who understand shall instruct many, yet for many days they shall fall by the sword and the flame, by captivity and plundering. Now when they fall, they shall be aided with the little help, but many shall join with them by intrigue, and some of those of understanding shall fall, to refine them, to purify them, and make them white until the time of the end, because it is still for the appointed time. What the angel is explaining to Daniel here is in the times that we are living in now, this is doing the 2300 year prophecy, the fulfillment of the Gentiles. During this time period, this beast who has his hand on the entire world from both a religious perspective as well as a political perspective. He is a dual entity. He has power to make decisions regarding things happening in this world religiously and implement laws because he's going to take away the daily sacrifice. He's going to seek to change the times and the laws of God. So we know that he has political power and we know that he has religious power in changing times and laws through the entire world will require him to have a political force, to have the governments of the various nations working with him. The entire book of Daniel explains that. This beast is going to focus his attention on that group of people who do wickedly against the covenant to support his agenda. He is going to corrupt them with flattery. But the people who do know their God, who are doing the will of God, trying to live according to God's 
instructions will always oppose him. He is going to turn against the people who live by the covenant of God, that is keeping the instructions of God, and they have the testimony of Yeshua. They have accepted Yeshua as their Messiah. For many days, those people who are keeping the instructions of God and they have the testimony of Yeshua are going to fall by the sword, by flame, meaning many of them will be burned alive, by captivity, meaning many of them are going to go into slavery, and by plundering, many of them are going to be plundered economically and not be allowed to prosper a great deal by the economic system that we're going to be living in. And those are the things that are happening right now today, and they have been happening for the past 2,300 years. But it says that when they fall, they shall be aided with a little help. Remember earlier in Ezekiel, where Yah tells us that wherever we are in captivity, he will be a little sanctuary to us. So as long as we are studying the word, applying his instructions in our lives, he is going to give us a little help in our battle to fight against this beast system. But our help will come through our obedience to applying his instructions in our lives and our faith in Yeshua, our Messiah, because he is our blood sacrificial lamb and his blood is what will give us that channel directly to our Father God. I've already gone through that in a previous podcast also. Now it says, when they fall, they shall be aided with a little help, but many shall join with them by intrigue. Those who will be joining by intrigue are going to be these Gentiles who have made the decision that they accept Yeshua as their Messiah and they want to be a part of the kingdom of God. So therefore, they will join their forces with the people of God, the true Israel, whose ancestors have gone into covenant with him, and they will join forces and become one fighting against this beast system. By doing this, God is going to refine these people who he hasn't already refined. Whenever you decide that you're going to be a part of God's kingdom, he takes you through a trial and it's called a refiner's fire. He takes you through this trial. You could very well lose your life by going through this trial. We have many people who have done so and many people who will do so. And that is when you see in Revelations, the souls of those who's asking God, when are you going to avenge our blood on the system of the beast who has taken our lives? And he tells them to hold on for a little bit longer. And he gives them white robes. Turn over to chapter 7 in the book of Daniel, beginning at verse 25. This beast is going to speak pompous words against the Most High. He's going to persecute the saints of the Most High. And he shall intend to change times and laws. Then the saints shall be given into his hand for a time and times and half a time. And that is what we're going through now. Yah is helping us through our struggles in fighting against this beast system. But the court shall be seated and they shall take away his dominion through Yah. The dominion of this beast system is going to be taken away. It's going to be destroyed 
because it says to consume and destroy it forever. So this beast system knows that its time is short, very short. Yeshua is to return almost any day now, any month. And the closer it gets to this beast system being destroyed, we know with every spiritual battle that takes place, it's getting closer and closer to Yeshua taking over this world and being the governing authority of the entire earth. So the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to the people, the saints of the Most High. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and all dominions shall serve and obey him. The saints are the people on the earth who are doing their best to live by the instructions of God and they fight spiritual warfare based on those instructions. Because remember, the word of God is our sword. It's a two-edged sword and it cuts both ways. So in order to be fighting in this system as a child of God, you must get into the word and study it. And you must know it in order to be able to fight spiritual warfare. Not say to yourself, well, I'm just waiting for the Messiah to return and I'll be glad when he returns so that all of this can be over. However, you're not doing anything to help bring it to an end, to help save the souls of those who are very confused right now, who don't know what to believe, what not to believe. Why is all of this happening? These people who are so very confused in the world don't know what to believe and what not to believe and can't discern what is true and what is not true. It is because they are not clearly recognizing, understanding, and realizing that they need to turn to the Word of God and recognize that there are a people in the world who are here to help them, who have grown in spiritual warfare. You know, it's like the commander who is at the head and he gives his officers beneath him instructions to teach the people beneath them who are the foot soldiers to carry out certain activities in order to be able to accomplish the agenda of physical warfare. It's the same way when it comes to spiritual warfare. Our commander is Yah himself. The officers over his people on the earth is Yeshua himself. And Yeshua gives us instructions on what we need to do to reach Yah because he is our high priest. He is our savior and he is our commander. So we all work together when it comes to being on this earth and overcoming this beast system. And when people tell you, that, oh, if you are a child of God, you're not supposed to be voting. You're not to take any part in the government of this world because you're not a part of this world. Well, physically, you are a part of this world. And physically, you have responsibilities to this world. And those physical responsibilities has to do with spiritual instructions from God. Spiritual instructions that Yeshua himself have lived out. We're not to go out and take up arms to overthrow the government. No, that is not what God requires us to do. 
He requires us to know His Word, to study His Word, and to use His Word as our sword, to take a stand against the evil wickedness in the world. In order to do that, we must speak up and we must put our forces behind what we know is true, what we know is right. And if that comes by casting a vote, then that is what we are to do. And the way you know who to cast the vote for is to step back, take a look at what's going on, and realize this is good, this is not good. Are we going to be under a leader that is going to do everything good and nothing evil? No. But which should we support when it seems like they're both evil? Well, we look at what they support. How will it affect our lives spiritually? How will it affect the lives of our children spiritually? If spiritually it is going to tear down and create more wickedness within the world that we live in, we are to take a stand against the leader who is trying to bring in more wickedness by supporting the leader who is going to do away with the wickedness that will influence not just our lives, but our children's lives until our Messiah returns. Let's move over to the book of Romans, chapter 13. Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from Yah, and the authorities that exist are appointed by Yah. Therefore, whoever resists the authority Resist the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. For he is Yah's minister to you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is Yah's minister and avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. Therefore, you must be subject not only because of wrath, but also for conscience sake. For because of this, you also pay taxes. For they are God's ministers attending continually to this very thing. Render therefore to all their dues, taxes to whom taxes are due, customs to whom customs, and fear to whom fear, and honor to whom honor. Owe no one anything except to love one another, for he who loves another has fulfilled the law, and the law is Torah. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet, and if there are any other commandment, are all summed up in this one, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law, which is Torah. And do this knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore let us cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. 
Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Yeshua and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust of the flesh. That really sums it up when it comes to how we as God's people are to decipher the things of the system that we live in politically and religiously, as opposed to the spiritual things that we are to deal with. We have to understand how to discern and take the spiritual things of Yah and make decisions when it comes to spiritual warfare in this physical world. And we see in Ephesians chapter 6, beginning at verse 12, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation the sword of the spirit which is the word of God praying always with all prayer and supplications in the spirit being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints and as for me that utterance may be given to me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. And that's what we are to do. We are to put on the whole armor of God. Go there and read it in Ephesians chapter 6, beginning at Verse 12, find out what God's armor is when it comes to spiritual warfare and be bold enough to take a stand to fight against wickedness in dark places. And this world is full of wickedness. Yes, the sun shines every day. But when you think about the evil things that's going on within the world and within our country, it is darkness. It's utter darkness. And if it wasn't for the people of Yah and the Gentiles who have also become a people of Yah by doing his instructions. If it wasn't for us banding together and praying and doing what is right, casting our vote for the right against the vote for the evil. If it wasn't for that, we would have no hope. Our children would have no hope. We would be forever a world full of wickedness evil and darkness because Satan is trying to absolutely gain complete control of this world. And Satan is all about wickedness, evil, and darkness. These things I hope you will think about and consider when you're trying to decide whether or not you like somebody who 
God has put in power over us. A lot of people, I've heard a lot of people say, oh, I believe that God chose President Trump to lead the United States. God chose him for a reason. I believe that that has a lot of validity to it. And the reason I say that is because we have a person who is the president in the modern times who is not a politician. He came in here as a businessman. He came into this position as a businessman. And with his business experience, he has recognized corruption to the core when it comes to the policies and the political things that are taking place within our government. So this corruption runs deep. It's obvious that it runs deep when you have the person who the Associated Press has pointed as the next president making a deal with implementing laws supporting the LGBT community that will silence the parents of children when it comes to LGBTQ behavior as compared to what the Word of God says, when it comes to anything, not just LGBTQ, when it comes to anything, when it comes to adultery, when it comes to anything, even with our finances, we're not to rob, steal, and cheat in our economic system. And things have been been so corrupt for so very long. The people were losing hope. But my personal opinion is also that there is a particular evil taking place in not just this country, but in the world that supports the strength of witchcraft. Witchcraft requires blood sacrifices. Satan requires blood sacrifices. Witchcraft and sorcery requires giving sacrifices to the demons of this world to have power over the minds, lives, and control of this world, of people in it. And witchcraft right now is feeling the threat of destruction. They're feeling the threat of destruction from the Word of God because there are many people, not just me, many, many, many people who are taking a stand, standing for what is right, and saying, this is what the Word of Yah says, this is what we should be doing, and you are not going to silence my voice. Even if I can't say anything, I can do something, even if that doing something requires me to go out and cast my vote for the person who is going to help bring witchcraft in this country to an end. Think about that and connect the dots. If witchcraft requires a blood sacrifice, where do you think the blood is coming from? Think about our medical communities. Where is the blood coming from? These are things you should consider when it comes to what is going on right now. So don't expect things to get better in the world. Don't expect to ever go back to the way you used to live your life, carefree, happy, doing what you wanted to do, enjoying life day by day to what pleased you prior to January of 2020. Don't expect that to happen because it's not going to happen. And I don't care if you are of the tribes of Israel or not. Those days are gone. We as the people of God, we need to be studying the word so that we can use the sword of God to conquer. We need to be in constant prayer 
and we need to be fasting for those of you who can fast. Whatever it takes to reach out to God and ask him for strength and understanding to get through what we're going through and what you can do to help others. We all need each other. We're all in this boat together. We all need to reach out to each other and support one another. We all need to be listening. We all need to be paying attention to what is going on because we're always going to miss something unless we collectively work together as God's people to be aware of what is happening. Why is it so important to one group of people to completely get a president out of office through any means because everybody who seemed to support him in their opinion are deplorables. We have to silence them. That indicates spiritual warfare, people. And it's my hopes and my prayers that you will wake up and decide whether or not you're going to be a part of God's family to fight the spiritual battle that we're going through. And keep in mind, whether we like the president that we currently have in office or not, his word tells us that we are to pray for him that he is there because God has put him there, the time is getting short. We need to wake up and realize the gravity of what is going on and do our part of being the watchman on the wall and taking a stand for what is right as opposed to taking a stand for what is wrong because surely God will judge us if we turn a blind eye and pretend that it doesn't matter. It has no effect on me. Well, Currently, it may not have an effect on you, but until the Messiah returns, it could eventually affect someone you love, whether it's a son or a daughter, a niece, a nephew, your best friend's child, no matter who it is. Someone you care about will be affected by the wickedness and the evil going on in this world. I encourage you to contact me at hello at insearchofgodsinstructions.org. Even if you have a different opinion, and you want to express it, contact me via email. May God strengthen you, be with you, watch over you, protect you, and keep you and your children, your loved ones, your family safe. He will guide you along this path that you have now decided to choose for your life as you go in search of his instructions and prepare your soul to live according to his word.